Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman, and I am the founder of Directional Ministries located here in Lynchburg, Virginia. This is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Today we're going to pick up our study with part two of the subject of dispensationalism. And we're, gonna, we're talking about the essential beliefs of this lens of biblical interpretation. Last time we looked at the essential belief that the primary meaning of any passage in the Bible is found in that passage of the Bible. In other words, the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. Scripture needs to interpret Scripture. The New Testament does not reinterpret or transcend the passages in the Old Testament in any way that would override or cancel the original intent of the author. Again, this is what is called a high view of Scripture. That simply means that the author said what he meant and meant what he said when he said it and who he said it to. Now, today, we're going to look at the next essential belief, which is that types do exist, but national Israel is not an inferior type that is superseded by the church. That just simply means that the church never replaces Israel, ever. The study of typology is a special kind of uh, symbolism. A symbol is something that represents something else. We can define a type as in the Bible, a prophetic symbol. And because all types are representations of something yet future. For example, Adam is a type of Jesus, as we're told by the Apostle Paul. In Romans 5.14, uh, the, the Apostle Paul said, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned in the similitude of of Adam, or Adam's transgression, who is a figure or a type of him who was to come. So types are in the Bible. In uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 45, And so it is written, The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. And of course, the last Adam is referring to Jesus Christ. So that's a type in the Bible. Another example is the flood in Genesis 6 through 7 uh, can be used at, and was used by the Apostle Paul, or Apostle Peter, that is, as a type of baptism. In 1 Peter 3.20, he said, Which sometime were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, only eight souls were saved by water. The like figure, that's speaking of the type, whereunto even baptism does also now save us, not putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now notice there, Peter says, and this is a little off subject, but he says, in the like figure whereunto baptism does also now save us. Now immediately people will run to you need to be baptized to be saved based on what Peter was talking or, or what Peter said here. 
The problem with that logic is Peter was not talking to the body of Christ. In other words, he was not talking to you and me. He was talking to the nation of Israel that still needed to repent and be baptized to be saved. Again, the importance of dispensationalism. Who said it and who did he say it to? Peter is talking to the Jews. He is not talking to you and me, and he means exactly what he says. Another way of putting it is that types, by definition, involve God-intended correspondences between Old Testament persons, places, and things, and events, with New Testament persons, places, things, and events. Those who do not embrace dispensationalism in favor of covenant theology will say the exact opposite, and they will say the Old Testament types supersede the New Testament realities. For example, they will say that Old Testament Israel was a type of the church, and now everything that was for them has transitioned over to the church. In other words, the church has replaced Israel. They say that this happened on the day of Pentecost, which is a total misunderstanding (laughs) of types and a total misunderstanding of what happened on the day of Pentecost. Dispensationalists categorically reject that notion. It's crazy. The bottom line is that we believe, as dispensationalists, that God made unconditional covenants and promises to Israel that must and will be fulfilled. In Jeremiah 31, 35, it says, Thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for the light by day, and the ordinances of the moon and the stars for a light by night, which divideth the sea when the waves thereof roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from before me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus saith the Lord, if heaven above can be measured and the foundations of the earth searched out beneath, I will also cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done, saith the Lord. Now, folks, that sounds like a pretty ironclad promise to me. Also, Paul said in Romans 9, 4, Who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption, and the glory, and the covenants? You remember we talked, covenants don't belong to Gentiles. Covenants do not belong to the church. We are not under or operating in the new covenant because the covenant has nothing to do with us. None of them do. We receive the blessings of those covenants, yes, but those covenants are made between God and the nation of Israel. So Paul here says in Romans 9, Who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises? Whose are the fathers? Those promises belong to the fathers. And of whom... As concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all God blessed forever. As dispensationalists, we believe God, who is over all, God blessed forever. We believe God's very integrity is in question here. 
Let me ask you something. Why would God make promises to one group and then pull the proverbial carpet out from under them and give those promises to another group? Seriously? That's a total lack of integrity upon anyone that would do that. Paul said in Romans eleven twenty eight, as concerning the gospel, referring to the Jews, they are enemies for your sakes. The Jews have become enemies of God for our sakes, the Gentiles. But as touching the election, referring to the Jews, not us, we're not the elect, they, he says here, are beloved for the Father's sakes. In other words, God still loves them. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. In other words, just because they have been made enemies of God for our sake does not mean that God pulls back his gifts and his callings. He says that God's promises are without repentance. And that word repentance means irrevocable. Paul told the Galatians that once a covenant has been ratified, no one sets it aside or adds conditions to it. In Galatians 3.15, this is the quote, Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be a man's covenant, yet it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Now, some will argue that the covenants made to Israel were only for that generation to which he made it. In other words, once they died off, the, the covenant was lo, no longer legitimate. The Bible makes it very clear that the covenants were transgenerational. In Deuteronomy 30, verses 1 through 10, and in Leviticus 26 and verse number 40, if they shall confess their iniquity and, their, and the iniquity of their fathers with their trespass, which they trespassed against me, and that also they have walked contrary to me, and that I also walked contrary to them and have brought them into the land of their enemies, if then their uncircumcised hearts be humbled, and then, accept, then they accept the punishment of their iniquity, then will I remember my covenant with Jacob and also my covenant with Isaac and also my covenant with Abraham will I remember and I will remember the land. The land also shall be left of them and shall enjoy her Sabbath while she lieth desolate without them and they shall accept of the punishment of their iniquities because even because they despise my judgments and because their souls abhorred me and my, and my judgments, and because their souls abhorred my statutes. And yet for all of that, when they be in the land of their enemies, I will not cast them away. Neither will I ever abhor them to destroy them utterly and to break my covenant with them, for I am the Lord their, their God." But I will for their sakes remember the covenant that I made with their ancestors, whom I brought forth out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord. No, those covenants are transgenerational. They are in place until they are fulfilled. Also, the salvation and the restoration 
of Israel are reaffirmed over and over in the New Testament. It says national Israel, ethnic Israel, geographic Israel will be restored. In, in, in Matthew 19, 28, And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit on the throne of his glory, you will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And I ask people, what tribe are you? I'm not of a tribe, because I'm not a Hebrew. I'm not Jewish. In Matthew 23, 39, For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. In Acts chapter number 1, verse number 6, When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? They were not looking for a spiritual kingdom. They were looking for a physical, literal, geographic, ethnic kingdom. In, in Acts 3.19, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord, and he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, now, obviously, he's, referring, he's talking to Jews here, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things which God hath spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. Verse after verse, Paul told the Romans in chapter 11, verse number 26, and so all of Israel shall be saved. Beloved, Israel is not the church. The covenant theologians are wrong. They are spiritualizing, they are allegorizing the scriptures to arrive at their conclusions. We must interpret the scriptures literally. If Israel is the transcended type that those of the covenant theology persuasion say, why does the New Testament make so much about Israel's glorious future? The obvious answer is that Israel still has a glorious future.